Uh, well, hey, if we haven't met before, my name's Nathan. I have the honor of getting to minister to y'all's students. And it really is an honor. They're awesome. I love getting to do youth ministry. We had an awesome summer. This summer, we did a middle school camp, a high school camp, a local missions trip. And this summer, we saw five students give their hearts to Jesus for the very first time. Yes. So I'm, I'm big time celebrating that. But since I get to preach primarily at nighttime and to them, that means this morning, I'm a little nervous. Y'all are intimidating looking. Uh, so could I ask for a favor? Um, would y'all help me preach this morning? And so when I'm like, there's gonna be some times I'm gonna say, hey, do y'all know that God's good? And if you do, if you can testify to that, if you'd be like, yes, I know. That way I'm not the only one talking and that kind of calms my nerves a little bit. And then other people can be like, oh, they know God's good too. Not just that guy who's bald up top. So <laughs> that would be great. If you're ready to help me preach, just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready. ready. Turn to your other neighbor and say, what's up, second choice? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. Well, hey, Forbes magazine has been doing this study for the past like 30 years, asking people, what do you value most about a job? What's the most important thing when you're looking at getting hired somewhere? Is it money? Probably. <laughs> is it flexibility? You want a workplace that's going to let you work from home some or give you lots of time off? Is it a great workplace environment? Is that the most important thing, getting along with your coworkers? Do you know the answer has been the same for 30 years? And this is just a poll. This is just what people, Americans have been saying. The most important thing in a job for the past 30 years, meaningful work. People want to feel like what they do actually matters. We don't want to just punch a clock and go home. We want to feel like I'm making a difference in this company, but then also like, in my city and in, my, in society and in my family, I want to feel like what I do matters. Do you guys feel that way? You guys hungry for more than just punching a clock? Wanting to do something that matters? I believe we have this longing for meaningful work because God made us that way. Do you guys know actually work entered into reality before sin did? Probably some of y'all been blaming the devil for having to get up. <laughs> it wasn't his idea. That's bursting some of y'all's bubble. It was God's idea. So in the beginning, in Genesis, God makes Adam and Eve and the garden and all this stuff, and he gives Adam a job. Tend the garden. Name creation. That was before sin came and messed things up. And so Adam was created to do something meaningful with his time and his hands. His work had meaning to it. And so you and I, we're created for meaningful work as well. And so if you have been in a place in your life where you're thinking like, is what I'm doing meaningful? At the end of my life, would anyone look at my funeral and say, that person made a difference? If you're having these feelings, hey, I got some good news for you. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. So if you have it, you can go ahead and flip to it. We're going to have it here on the screen. But in Matthew 28, this is the very end of Matthew. If y'all been with us for a while, you know we've been in Matthew for like two years now. We're closing this puppy up. Okay, this is the very end. In Matthew's gospel, this is the last thing that he records. After Jesus dies on the cross and is resurrected and seen by 
hundreds of his followers. He comes and he gives his disciples a job. The subheading in your text probably reads the Great Commission. Commission just means a job that I've handed you. And so Jesus gives his disciples and, I, and he gives us meaningful work. I believe the Great Commission is God's answer to our longing for meaningful work. So let's go ahead and read it here. This is Matthew chapter 28. I'm gonna go ahead and read this, starting in verse 16. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped. Say worshiped with me. Worshiped. That's gonna be important for later. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Jesus, you are a God we're serving. You are so good to us. Father, my prayer this morning is that all of us, me included, we would leave here with a greater love for who you are. Yeah, Jesus, that we would walk out of here pumped about you and that we would be spurred on by the invitation to build your kingdom and make disciples. We love you, King Jesus. We pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, hey, I like food and I know you all like food too. We're Midwesterners, we like it. So I'm gonna give my uh, talk to y'all this morning in a three-course meal. It's not gonna satiate your appetite, probably just make you hungrier, but we're gonna start with a little appetizer. Who's the boss? Then we're gonna spend a lot of time in this main course, what's the job? And we're gonna finish off with some dessert. Let's talk about the reward, okay? All right, so let's get into this. It's uh, appetizer time. Now, I don't know why, but when I first wrote this, I had two sermons put together. I sent it to Pastor Michael. He was like, hey, just curious, how long is this gonna be? Are we gonna be Baptist hostages here? And I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I had to take a lot of things out. So I just briefly wanna mention this. If you've been in church for a while, and honestly, even if you haven't, you've heard the word Trinity before. Now, real quickly, and I've got an image here. We can just look at this when we talk. The Trinity is just real quickly, briefly this, that God has expressed himself as both three and one. That there's one God, just one, but he's also three persons. And that breaks my brain. <laughs> and it probably breaks your brain as well. How can you both be three, but also just one at the same time? That God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are separate persons, but one in nature. And real quickly, I just wanna make a couple notes on this. Uh, I'm glad that I serve a God that my finite brain can't fully wrap itself around. Because if it could, that means I'm on God's level and I don't want to worship someone on my level. I've met y'all, I've met people, y'all are great. I'm not worshiping a person. I want to worship someone that's above me and higher than, my, higher than I am. So um, a couple quick notes, look at this, Okay. Jesus says this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Notice it's singular name. 
He doesn't say go baptize them in the names of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They have one name, the great I am, Yahweh. There's one God, just a singular God to worship. Baptize them into his name. And then my second thing, I just kind of want to point out, do you know God's a jealous God? You ever heard that before? All throughout the Old Testament, God is telling his people, he's like, hey, I'm it. Don't worship anybody else. Don't give your fealty, your devotion, your allegiance to anybody but me. I am him. Worship me alone. So what if Jesus and the Holy Spirit weren't part of God? Let's imagine they're just like separate, separate, you know? Why would God share your baptism with someone other than himself? If Jesus isn't part of the Trinity, if, it, if there isn't this beautiful three in oneness, why would a jealous God all of a sudden go, you know what, belong to somebody else? I'll share this time, I'll make space. And I, I think here, when Jesus says, he's, he's hinting at who he is. He's declaring to his disciples, hey, this God that we've been talking about, and I've been, I've been laying the hints all through the book of Matthew, it's me. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. That's this beautiful mystery of how we are one. Go baptize people into my name. Now, that's important. You can take that down. That's important because your perception of the boss is going to affect the way you do work. Raise your hand if you've got a boss. I got a boss? Raise your hand if you are the boss. All right, I see some of y'all. <laughs> I see some of y'all, right? If you think your boss is like, really laid back and loosey-goosey with timelines and the rules, and it doesn't really matter what you do, your work is probably going to be, I don't know, loosey-goosey, maybe, maybe more creative. Now, and if your boss is like real military, you know, cut up if they had hair, I don't know how that works. <laughs> your work, you're going to be like on time, if not early. And so it's important, if Jesus is about to give us a job, that we stop and go, okay, well, who is the boss? Jesus. And he says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why? Because me and God are one. So Jesus is about to give us a task, right? But it's important to know, like, he's not loosey-goosey. He's the God of the universe. Jesus isn't just some moral teacher. He's not just a great role model. He's not an angel. He is God himself. So when he gives us a job, I'm listening. All right, what's the job? Okay, main course. Appetizer, fork down. Go make disciples. Right, that's what he says. Hey, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Well, what's a disciple? Fancy church word that uh, no one says in their everyday life. <laughs> disciple is just someone who learns and follows after Jesus. I really like the way that Bridgetown Church says this. They said to be a disciple is someone who puts forth effort to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the things Jesus did. That's a disciple. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you, you put forth effort to be with him, to become like him in your character and nature and likes and dislikes, and then you do the things that he did. So, the job, you and I, we're going to make disciples, right? That's, that's the job the God of the universe has handed you and I. That's the work to be done. So we need to go help people first be with Jesus. 
So this means a couple of things. Listen, there is people in your life, they've never had the gospel really explained to them. The Bible teaches that by default, you and I, we are separated from God. We're not with God. That's how we're born into because we have sin. It has separated our disobedience and our human nature have separated us from God. But through faith in Jesus, we can be close to God. That's the gospel. That's what Romans 6, 23 says. And so there's people in your life, hey, you want to help them be with Jesus? Guess what? You need to let them know that they can. Well, they, they live in the Midwest and the Bible, but I'm sure they've heard the gospel before. You don't know that. You don't know that. There's a coworker, a neighbor, your own children or grandchildren, and they need to know the good news that they can be close to God, that they can actually be with Jesus. Listen, the gospel isn't behavior modification. Do y'all know that? Our goal here isn't to get people to stop cussing, cover up their tattoos, and come to church. That's not the goal. We want people to be with God. And so we gotta, we gotta share the gospel at times. That's what it looks like to make disciples, to share the gospel with them. But, but not just that, listen. I don't want to uh, tell somebody, hey, you can be with Jesus, go find him. <laughs> now, it's not the worst, because guys, they're gonna find him, right? Seek and you will find. Like, they're gonna find him. But I wanna do a little bit more than that. I wanna make the introduction. If you, were, if you had a friend, like, coming back into town, and you, you had a group of friends, and you're like, oh, you gotta meet this guy. His name's Michael Bratton plays guitar on Emmaus worship team. He's awesome. He, yeah, that, some of y'all better start preaching with me now. You know about that. All right. He's hilarious, but not in an over the top way. He'll just like slide a joke in and you, you almost miss it. But if you pay attention, it's killer. He's got great fashion. He can play the guitar crazy. And somehow he's incredibly humble on top of all that. You got to meet Michael, right? You're gassing your friend up. That's a Gen Z term. It means like you're hyping them up. I got you. I'll be your mediator. I'm just, I'm way behind. They're like, Pastor Nathan, that was a year ago. That's so, uh. so you're guessing. Hey, I can't wait to introduce you to Michael. He is awesome. You can't, I, I got to show you him. That's what I want to do with Jesus. If I want to make disciples, if I want to make people be with Jesus, I'm going to make the introduction. And so you're talking to your friend like, hey, can I show you a Bible? Can I introduce you to Jesus in the gospels? Watch how he interacts with people. Look how merciful he is. Isn't this cool? Can I show you this? Maybe you got a group of Christian friends and you like, hey, I gotta, you wanna come with me? I gotta introduce you to some people who are changed by the gospel. Let's make the introduction. Earlier I said, it's, it's not the goal just to get people to come to church. Y'all know that, right? You know where a great place to meet Jesus is? I don't know about y'all, but I heard somewhere that if two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be too. So that means Jesus says, hey, y'all gonna get together and you're gonna worship me. Bet, I'm gonna show up. Another Gen Z term, sorry, I got you. <laughs> if I wanna introduce someone to Jesus, is there a spot I can think of where there's two or three gathered in his name? Some of y'all need to, like today, after this is done, be like, okay, I, I gotta invite someone to come to church with me. Hey, I, 
What are you doing next Sunday? You want to come to church? I got to introduce you to the gospel. There's some people, and just, just hear it be preached. There's some people in your family, some family members, and, and they haven't been coming to church. You don't know where they're at in their life, but you need to just invite them. Hey, would you want to just come along? We're discovering Jesus together. Can I help you meet him? That's what it means to make disciples. Make the introduction. Help someone meet Jesus and to be with him. It's a beautiful thing. Now, not just to be with Jesus. We also want to help people become like Jesus. Raise your hand if you ever had roommates before. Okay. Uh, you ever have like a really bad roommate story? Anyone have really bad roommates? Don't look at them if they're in the room. <laughs> Some of you are like, this guy right here drives me nuts. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, I had great roommates. God gave me some amazing roommates before, and she's a great roommate now, actually. Uh, just so wonderful dudes who really encouraged me in the Lord. And, and I had one roommate, his name was Josh, but we called him Rev, because everyone was named Josh for some reason. And Rev was the kind of friend who would, he would shoot you straight. He, he just said it how it was. He didn't tell you what you wanted to hear sometimes, but what you needed to hear. And I remember a couple of times where I would, I would just be venting, <laughs> you know, sitting down and, dude, these people, they did me dirty and this was not fair and, I, you know, it really should have gone this way for me. And he was a great listener. Rev was a very active listener. Like, oh, yeah. And he asked probing, well, tell me more, you know. And he would just let me get it all out. And at the end, there's a couple of times Rev would just go, I think you're prideful. Stop being dumb. <laughs> and that wasn't what I wanted to hear but it was the truth. And Jesus wanted to do some work in me and get me to stop being so dumb and prideful. And someone who's engaged in my process of discipleship isn't gonna let me just sit in my sin. A good friend doesn't say, yeah, go do whatever you want. And if it ruins your soul, eh. No, if you are passionate about making disciples, the people in your life that God has placed around you, one of the things you have to do is, is encourage them to be like Jesus. You don't have to be blunt, as blunt as Rev was, but sometimes it means having a difficult conversation. Hey, I love you. I don't know if the way that you handle your money is honoring to Jesus. Hey, real quick, dude, I just gotta let you, the way that you spoke to your wife, that, I, I, tell me what's going on. Hey, hey, it's, your parenting and how, like, can I just encourage you all that, that Jesus loves you as a parent and you're doing a good job? And the goal is not to make ourselves feel better, like, okay, let, Pastor Nathan said, well, let's go around and whip people for their sin. No, it's not what I'm saying. But if you're helping disciple people and, and you can see some blind spots and some areas of sin, that bring that up in love because you want them to be like Jesus, not because you want them to get put down but because you want them to be like Jesus. So we help people be with him, help people be like him, but then also to help people do the things Jesus did. You want to help people do the things Jesus did. All right, I got to warn y'all. Y'all need to be careful who you spend time with. Y'all better be careful who you're hanging out with. You start hanging around a group of people who are like passionate about Jesus, like radically changed by the gospel. You start hanging out with those folks, y'all better watch out. You hang around some saved folks who are passionate with the Holy Spirit, you're gonna watch them do some stuff that's, uh, you know, 
They're gonna forgive people that should not be forgiven. You're gonna watch them forgive someone that just like, and that boils your rage. Y'all be careful. You hang around with this group of people, you're gonna watch them include some of the unincludable. The least of these into their homes, school boards, churches. Y'all watch out if you're hanging with these people, you're gonna watch them do some stuff like pass up job opportunities because God's called them to a specific spot. Y'all watch out. These people are gonna start selling some stuff and giving generously. You need to be careful. These people are gonna give their lives away to serve the God of the universe. And if you're not careful, your American dream might beautifully fade away. You should live this way too. As you chase after Jesus, so changed by grace, you should live in a way that the people who are looking at you, being discipled by you, as they watch you obey Jesus, their American dream starts to tremble as comfort and self and pleasure make room for the God of the universe. Help people do the things Jesus did. A few years ago, my wife and I bought our first house uh, and this was right after COVID, right before the big whatever's going on right now in the market. And we, man, we got suckered. Chip and Joanna Gaines, (laughs) they got us, man. (laughs) We totally bought into this whole like delusions of grandeur. We can flip this house. That show does a great job making it look easy, doesn't it? It's like in 20 minutes, that house is flipped, praise God. Hey, I could do that. <laughs> Does not take the, we're like three and a half years in, we're still doing stuff. I'm tired. <laughs> Anyways, we got, you know, we bought the house. And honestly, our lives kind of seemed like they were doing the traditional American dream footprint graduate college, get married, buy a house, then kids is next. You know, we're kind of doing this upward, you know, whatever through life. And we were just wrapped up in that. So we bought this house and I was really excited to talk about home improvement, backsplash, countertops. Oh, I could really open up a wall here. I can't open up a wall. I don't know what I'm talking about. Load, bear, what? Paint, okay, anyways. So I'm excited to talk about this kind of stuff. And I remember having a conversation with our worship pastor, Daniel, and I'm fishing for this conversation. You know, I want to talk. I'm excited about it. I'm wrapped up in this. What do you think about? And, and he kind of let me know, yeah, I'm not really interested in talking about that kind of stuff. <laughs> he said, everyone my age is all about real estate and investment and how their career can advance and their ambitions with all this stuff. And I'm just not really into it. And I was bummed because I was excited to talk about my countertops, but... I was like, well, what, what are you, I don't, do you, what is your like ambition? Where's your real estate portfolio going to go? Or, and he, and he said, he looked at me, he said, I don't know anyone who's made more of a difference than Samson Latchinson. And I want to be like him. And if you don't know Samson one, you're missing out. But Samson works at a coffee shop and he makes coffee and he makes disciples. He doesn't have a big real estate empire. His name and face isn't on some building. Uh, He doesn't drive the nicest car, drives a nice bike. (laughs) 
But you can't throw a rock in Springfield without hitting somebody that goes, Samson, that guy had an influence on my life. Can I tell you, friends, there's something more meaningful than your bank account. There is work to be done that matters more than how you flipped your kitchen or, or what your house looks like or what your car, who cares? Do you want to make a meaningful difference in somebody's life? Make disciples. Spend your time trying to encourage people to be with Jesus, become like him and to do what he did. And so when Daniel looks at him and goes, that's who I want to be, that is the kind of ambition we need to have. Who cares about our retirement package? Make disciples. There's meaningful work to be done. Now, can't let you go without giving you all a few tips. Okay, I got a few tips on how to make some disciples. Uh, and when I was growing up, I don't know if y'all can relate, but my parents and maybe grandparents sometimes used to give me a little pinch on the hiney, you know? <laughs> out of love, it was like a love pinch, you know, a little love pinch, but kind of get you high-stepping out of there, you know? So... <laughs> I'm talking about pinching butts on it. They're never going to invite me back. <laughs> Pastor Ron said he's not watching, so if you all keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Just kidding. Some of these tips, maybe a little pinch, but I promise it's out of love and the goal is to get us high stepping out of here, okay? All right, here's the first one. First tip, how are we making disciples? I want you to go intentionally. Jesus says this, go therefore and make disciples. Now, you may have heard this passage before translated as, as you are going, make disciples. And I get it. The Greek is really hard to translate. It's way over my head. And it, it technically means like, having gone then, go make disciples. But the problem with that translation, as you are going, make disciples, it makes it sound passive. It makes it sound like, hey, live your life just as you're going. And when convenient, make a disciple. Hey, don't worry. You don't need to go and inconvenience yourself. Just as you're living through life, if the opportunity comes up, tell someone about Jesus. But the problem is that's not what the text says. And when you look at it, and any way you splice it, the, the imperative, the command is go make disciples. You don't just sit around just waiting like, well, God, if you just bring someone my way, I'll disciple them. No, you got to go and make disciples. Some of y'all need to be, and she's going to hate me further, but she's second service, so we're good. Uh, Becky Brown, you need to be like her. She got a vision and a burden for discipling high school girls. And so this school year, what she's doing, she's invited a whole bunch of girls to come meet her early morning at a coffee shop and read the Bible together. And she's going outside of her house. No one's sitting around at home like, well, God, if you bring some high schoolers at 6 a.m. this Friday <laughs> to my front door, I'll disciple them. That's silly. You got to go and make disciples. And I'm not saying all of y'all need to pack up your bags and go over to Ecuador and join Pastor Clint. <laughs> he may like that. But when you get up and you go to work, whether your work's a school building a sales job, a construction job. You should get up and go make disciples. Hey, while I'm there, who has God placed in my life that I could uh, ask that I could pray for them? Is there, is there a teacher that I can encourage uh, to come to church with me? Is there, maybe you're a student, is there a, a classmate of mine that I can uh, invite to church with me? I, can I go into your workplace to make disciples and work while you're there? So that means technically, honestly, all of you are missionaries. <laughs> Maybe you're a missionary to a coffee shop. 
or to a school building or to a job site somewhere. But if you want to do more than just punch a clock and, and get a paycheck, if you want to do something that matters, if, if you want to have deep, meaningful work that your soul craves, go to your work to make disciples. Even if you're a stay-at-home parent, don't just wake up and just watch kids and just praying for the husband or wife to come home. Help. No, get up and make a disciple. Spend your time. How can I encourage this, this young little life that God's given me to, to love Jesus, to know him, to be like him, to do what he did? Go wherever you're going and make disciples. Does that make sense? It's not passive. You don't just sit around and wait for it to happen. It won't happen. You gotta go make disciples. Now, I said most of y'all aren't gonna go overseas somewhere and you can go into your works intentionally to make disciples. But can I be honest? I do think there's somebody this morning God has called you to go. To give up career, safety, comfort, routine, and go. Maybe it's overseas to a different nation. Maybe it's to a different city. Maybe it's to a job that doesn't pay anything, making disciples with, at, at a ministry full time. And something's maybe holding you back. Can I just, encourage, real quick, and we'll move on. There is nothing more fulfilling than being obedient to the King of Kings. And if he's saying go, man, y'all need to go. Okay, number two, be a learner. Okay, be a learner. Jesus says this, go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to do all that I've commanded. How are you gonna teach somebody if you don't know? <laughs> you go, well, Nathan, you're doing a good job right now. <laughs> You need to learn who Jesus is, what he's like, the things that he did. All right, here's a little pinch. You guys ready? It's out of love, I promise. Little pinch. Some of y'all could tell me every stat from every player on your favorite team for the past 10 years, and you couldn't show me the Trinity through scripture. Some of y'all, if, if someone asked you like, Hey, is uh, Severus Snape from Harry Potter a good guy or a bad guy? You could, a thesis, bam. <laughs> Let me tell you about my characters in this fictional world. But couldn't explain the gospel. And, and I'm there too. Like, I get, I get wrapped up into some stuff that doesn't matter. I'm really into board games, okay? Cardboard and plastic, I get it. And I'm like listening to podcasts. I can research publishers. I'm like watching video. I'm reading rule books for games I don't ever own. And... I'm doing a deep dive on this stuff that just doesn't matter. And sometimes the Holy Spirit convicts me and he's like, Nathan, do a deep dive on me. There's more to learn about me. I'm a deep well. You can study me. You can figure me out. And listen, look at me. There's some people in your life that may never learn about God's mercy if you don't learn it first. There's some people in your life who may never understand what the Bible teaches about sexual ethics if you don't put the work in to do it first. And I'm not saying, you don't need to go to seminary. Read your Bible, watch a YouTube video, okay? You, you'll figure it out. <laughs> it's there. But be a learner. If you want to make some disciples, if, if you want your kids to pray, be people who like, they know how to pray. They got to learn it from you first. So you need to be a learner. Learn this stuff. Figure it out. Dive deep. And I'll say this too. 
man, Gen Z, these upcoming generations, they're locked and loaded with some questions. They got the internet in their hand. They've got people just like trashing Christian ideas nonstop and providing some decent arguments for it. And so if we're, if we're the kind of people that are like, I don't know, go see a, go see a pastor somewhere. That's not going to cut it. They're hungry for some answers and, and they need to hear it, especially these young people, from y'all. Go be a learner. Uh, but then this, okay, walk with them. See, discipleship is different from evangelism because it's not just preach the gospel. It's preach the gospel, continue to preach the gospel. Look at this, verse 20, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. That word observe, it means hold or keep, hold on to, keep, not a one-time teach, but you're constantly encouraging them. Hey, continue to follow Jesus, continue to love him and be like him. So you gotta walk with them. In 2013, 14, there was a, a, a woman, and some of y'all know her, her name's Claire Gertzen. She worked with this campus ministry here in town, and, and her vision was for making disciples of young women on campus. And so Claire met this particular young woman in that school year and invited her to, hey, won't you want to come meet Jesus through the Bible verses? You want to study these with me and let's live life together. And they, for that year, met up off and on, read the Bible together, did some life together. And that summer, this particular young woman gave her life to Jesus. And Claire didn't leave. Claire continued to disciple this young woman. They constantly met up and Claire taught her how to pray how to do a Bible study, how to lead a Bible study. Claire helped her model like a relationship into an engagement. And Claire and her husband, Nathan, actually did my wife and I's premarriage counseling. Erica's the young woman, by the way. Oh, the mic's over here. Erica's the young woman, by the way. <laughs> and they've been wonderful examples of, of encouraging us to hold on to all that God has commanded and so discipleship, sometimes honestly, can I be honest? Sometimes it's messy because you don't just preach the gospel and dip. Some of y'all have some, some kids or nephews or coworkers and you're like, I, I wish I could preach the gospel and dip because <laughs> they're just not getting it. And sometimes there's ups and then there's downs. And I'm like, I've taught you this like five times before, but you're still not getting it. But it's beautiful getting to walk the journey with someone as they learn who Jesus is. We just had summer camps, right? And I took, we took some students there. And it, it's not just awesome because students are meeting Jesus, being saved and being built up. It's awesome because my students are meeting Jesus, being saved and being built up. I've got to see them grow. I've got to see them make mistakes and have their hearts broken. We've prayed together. We've learned together. We've cried together. I'm a big crier, but it's whatever. And it's beautiful, Watching them encounter Jesus and be discipled. Talk about meaningful work. Talk about a cause I'm, I want to give my life to. Getting to be a part of discipleship. Worship team, y'all can go ahead and come on up. Time for dessert. Dessert time. If you're like me at all, kind of performance driven, want to succeed at and want people to think you're good at everything you do? At this point, you may be thinking, another thing to do. I'm already not reading my Bible as much as I should be. I'm already not praying as much as I should be. And now I gotta go out and make disciples every day? You're telling me I gotta get up and go to work to make disciples every day. 
great. And it feels like a burden. Well, let me share this verse with you right here at the very end. Jesus says this, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Most of the time when this is preached, you hear this as kind of like a don't be scared, Jesus is gonna go with you, right? Be emboldened, but what if Jesus is not just emboldening us, but stating this is your reward? Hey, go make disciples and guess what? (laughs) You get me. You get me to make disciples. And here's the cool thing, Jesus pays up front. You've been given a job. Jesus said, go make disciples and you've already been paid. So that means if you're thinking, well, God, what if I'm not good enough? It doesn't matter. You've already been paid. You get me. Well, Jesus, what if I don't do it to my, it doesn't matter. I'm paying you. You get my presence. And guess what? I'm going to pay you next week and the week after that. I am going to be with you always, not because of how many disciples you made, not because of who you are. You get your reward because of who I am. Some of y'all know that's good, right? That's the gospel of grace. You didn't earn God's favor. You can't keep earning God's favor. You can't work and impress the God of the universe and you're still gonna get your reward. That is the reward. You get Jesus. He's gonna be with you. Do y'all know that Jesus is the reward? Does anybody know how sweet it is to be loved by the king of the universe? Does anybody know how sweet Jesus is to speak with you and cover your sins and you know what that's like to be in bondage and Jesus, does anybody know how sweet that is? Does anybody know what a reward it is to have a secure identity because the God in the universe knows your name? Jesus is the reward. I will be with you always. What a reward. And if you're here and you don't know this, There's some people in the back during prayer time who'd love to make an introduction. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Lord, you've given us a job not out of your strictness, but out of your sweetness. You don't need us to build your kingdom. You don't need us to make disciples. And yet you call us in to the most meaningful work there is. What a privilege. Jesus, thank you for your sweetness. Lord, encourage us. Put a fire under us. Pinch us on the behind that we would go out and make disciples. We love you, King Jesus. Accept this worship. Amen.